good evening, guys. Welcome back to another episode of DUFC TV. Uh, this is episode six, and today we're joined by a special guest, and we've got uh, a couple of new faces as well. And we'll start off obviously having a chat about the weekly roundup. So obviously the big news about football coming back end of March. Um, so yeah, once again, Chris Gaffer of Dagnum. Um, I'm your host. So lads, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, my name's Ryan, uh, and I'm one of the goalkeepers here at Dagnum. Ruben Gipper, aka Mr. Grumpy. Hi, all. First time. My name is Mikel, right back and right wing. And my name's Dan Edwards. I'm the lucky guest of today's show. Thank you very much, lads. Um, yeah, so first things first. Massive news. Obviously, uh, Uncle Boris finally has done something decent and announced that uh, football will be back. Organised sports will be back from March the 29th. Um, so that's looking like realistically restart of competitive football, um, sort of third of April, I think it is. That's the first Saturday. Um, I'm buzzing, obviously. Um, yeah, it's going to be a squeeze. We've got a lot of games to to get in. Um, I think they've extended the season till the end of June, um, so we still got eleven games left to play um, this season. So it's going to be a couple of double he- double headers, probably maybe some uh, midweek games, things like that. I'm up for it. Um, how do you guys feel about? It? I'm happy that it's it's, it's finally for the days come, and he said we can do it. It's been what? How long now since our last our last games? Eight, it was like seven, eight weeks. Yeah, before something before like the... that. Uh, I just needed it back. Uh, I think everyone can can understand for 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 your mental health for everything. Just compare football needs to come back. And getting everyone together again, really. Yeah, I just, I just want something to look forward to on a weekend. To be fair, there's, there's nothing to look forward to right now. I think you need some friends. No, it's not even. It's not even. Like, I, I just, I just go work and get home, and on the weekend, what, what can you really do now? There's not, nothing's open, like. You need a release. Not meant to be mixed. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah I've, so, I think that's the biggest thing in it. What people don't quite realise is how much, obviously, of a release football is. We've discussed it previously on, on the podcast when we had um, Alex Rhodes on it. Obviously, you know, he, he played professionally for Brentford and things like that. And, you know, he sort of discussed um, his depression issues and things like that and how much it does affect. And I think that's one of the things we massively overlook is just that football environment, um, the camaraderie, the friendship, the banter. Um you know, we've had it on the podcast still and we've had it on the group chats and things like that. It's great that we're still doing team quizzes. Uh, a lot of you guys doing one-to-ones with myself, which is which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, can't wait to get back. Um, Danny, I'm sure for yourself as well, um, you've probably had quite a lot of stuff stopped as well, haven't you? Yeah, and I think it was kind of, I was meant to be out in Dubai for 10 weeks doing an off-season training programme, um, sort of with the Premier League and Championship boys. And then we would have had four weeks with the boys that were coming back from the Euros. Um, and that was sort of the big 10 weeks out there that stopped. So it's obviously just been postponed until next summer. So now it's just a case of planning for this summer. I mean, I, th- I think that right there sort of puts our complaints in in, in comparison <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Same about the Dubai, we're having a little wind. We can't go you mentioned Dubai, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I'll come to Dubai. I'll be bull, by the way. Bulls, bibs and cones. 
Fitness working out there, yeah. Um, right, yeah, so we might as well crack straight on. Um, obviously, Dan's introduced himself. We've known each other for, what is it, nine years, maybe? I mean, Long when, time. I, when I said to you the other day, it, it made me feel really, really old. <laughs> definitely uh, definitely come a long way since then. Um, so, yeah, if you just want to introduce yourself and just let, let the guys know um, sort of where you started, um, things like that, really. Um, so, yeah, I think sort of football's been been my life from day dot, sort of West London, born and bred, um, was at QPR when I was younger, didn't make it, done the whole, was in America for three years, done the whole semi-pro route, Conference South, um, and then done a year on a programme called Dream Team, uh, acting, tried something completely different, and then literally just been coaching. And I was at QPR for 18 years, um, sort of working with the college academy, so the 16 to 19 year olds with the actual academy from sort of under nines um, and was with the academy for about eight or nine of them years. And we had hundreds of players. And I mean, the only players that have really made it, they're big names now, but we obviously had Raheem, Sterling, when he was an under nine, had Harvey Elliott, um, Darnell Furlong, who's playing, Henry Wise, who's at Watford under 23s. Quite a few of the boys now are with sort of under 23s. Got a few of the boys with QPRs under 23s. But it's, yeah, it sounds glamorous that you can sort of name drop Raheem or a Harvey Elliott or Henry Wise. But then there are hundreds of players that didn't make it. And sort of that's where it's it's that small percentage of players that can make it. Um, so sort of from being at QPR, I started a company last two summers ago in Dubai with the uh, first team performance manager at QPR and the strength and conditioning coach where we were working with players in Dubai. And we had had, we had three weeks planned where we was going to be working with some of the QPR first team players um, and a couple of players that I work with outside. Um, and it just kind of blew up. We went from being out there for three weeks to staying out there for about eight and a half weeks from having David Louise, uh, Daniel James, Jeffrey Schlup, um, Lukaku. We literally, it ranged from everyone and it kind of blew up and it kind of gave me the idea about just how important sort of the one-on-one training is. So that summer kind of opened my eyes, I handed in my resignation to QPR and had it all planned for summer just gone, summer 2020, where we was going to be out in Dubai for 10, 11 weeks. And again, like I said, we had it planned where we was going to have the championship and the Premier League boys for about the six weeks. And then we was going to have three to four weeks with the players that were coming back from the Euros. So how it works when the players get, say they get five or six weeks off during the off season, They'll do the cycle of, they'll go LA, Miami, Vegas with the boys. They'll go Mykonos with the missus. And then they always end up in Dubai, sort of with the family. And that's sort of two two or three weeks before they go back to pre-season. And we just literally, yeah, every, it's the, the hotel we were staying at and the hotels next to it, it's like the PFA Awards. Everyone's there. And it it's literally, it can go from a League Two player to... Yeah, to Premier League World Cup winners. 
Um, so sort of that's where I plan to do my main work for 10 weeks in Dubai. Um, and it obviously Dubai being Dubai, how much it costs, you know, you're only going to be getting players that can afford it out there. Um, and there's a lot of programs. There's a lot of companies that run off season training programs, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's football off season fitness programs, whereas our program K3 performance. Um, so it's Kaizen three performance. The three areas are football, strength and conditioning um, and diet and nutrition. So ours would, so unlike sort of other programs, our sort of key selling point is that the players that are with us, they do the football side of things, they do the strength and conditioning, but we do the GPS data, so like stat sports, so that once the players have done their running with us, we can then send that data back to the clubs, um, the nutrition, so sort of urine tests, blood tests, the weights, the amount of sweat, um, muscle mass, literally the, the smallest details we will then send back to the clubs so that all the players, every pro player gets an off-season training programme and it's down to the players to tell the clubs, yep, I've done this running, I've done this exercise, this S&C, this strength and conditioning programme and the clubs just have to take their word for it. However, our players, whether it's the Reading captain, whether it's Daniel James and Daniel just signed for United so we was then able to send United all the data so they knew what sort of running he had done, how far they could push him from day one, Jeffrey Schluck sending that to, um, where's Jeffrey? Crystal Palace, David, David Louise. We sent that to Chelsea. He obviously then moved to Arsenal that summer or the end of that summer, but it's just about our key selling point is we can give the clubs that bit of data. And sort of when I came back, obviously this whole good old COVID hit us. Um, put a pause on the whole Dubai program. And then I just started doing sort of one-on-one -on -one coaching. And it, it, it was the first lockdown when no one kind of knew what COVID was about and everyone was scared to go out. The pro players thought it was just a matter of time till they went back. I've done quite a few sessions with players, whether it was Josh King when he was at Bournemouth or well, Danny Welbeck, um, David Louise, sort of players. I had a kid in Cardiff that I was seeing. Um, and it was literally just a case of every two or three days I'd have a COVID test. Like the club's doctors would give me a test to make sure it was like a quick 20 minute turnover, but just to make sure that there was sort of, I was, I had a negative result. Um, so the first lockdown, I was really busy because sort of the pro players were still keeping active. Um, and then this season, literally since the pre-season, clubs have said no external coaches can work with players obviously for COVID reasons. So I've kind of now, yeah, just a standard one-on-one -on -one coach, just working mm -hmm. with sort of young, younger players, some of our under-23s at QPR and our under-18s. Um, but yeah, just trying to make the best out of a bad situation, to be honest. And I've sort of got, I've got a little boy, I've got a boy and a girl, but my little boy, Theo, who is nine, he actually signed for QPR last year. So it's kind mm -hmm. of just seeing, seeing him getting into football and he actually really likes football now. So I kind of just held back from doing anything with him. Um, so it's just, yeah, just seeing him enjoying it. And obviously me not being at QPR, I wish I stayed at QPR, I would have been furloughed for six months. But yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of like now it's just planning now for Dubai for once the season finishes. Um, but you just never know. We can't really plan too much because we don't know 
exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, but fingers crossed, and yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that, that is it, and it's COVID just is so unpredictable. You don't know what's going on. Um, well, you mentioned Theo there. That's one, that's one of the questions I did want to ask you, actually, because um, I've not sort of said it before. With him, obviously, at QPR, is it something you do want to push? So are you actively, like, does he want to be a pro player? Do you want him to be a pro player? Because obviously, you know, I've got... I don't want him. No, I don't want him. I know how, how difficult football yeah. can be. Uh, and not just on a technical side of things, but more importantly, the sort of the mental side of things, sort of, yeah, um, just how difficult it is. Um, and I've never, literally, the last year, is lockdown is the first time that he loved football. And that's sort of when we was kicking the ball about. But I've sort of seen it from an elite level down to a grassroots level. I mean, I've always taken his teams um, from sort of under six, under sevens, and it's always just been fun. Um, but even at that young age, you can see sort of the parents where the kids are at every pre-academy program. They're training five days a week. And Theo isn't a massive... I mean, when he was at Chelsea, you had players that were animals at seven years old. And you could tell they wanted to be professional footballers. Theo wanted to train in his Spider-Man or Black Panther outfit. So he's a kid. <laughs> and that's literally... That's, that's how I want him. I don't want... He's not mentally at that age where... And don't get me wrong, it's not, I'm not knocking parents that do it because some kids are unbelievable and all they want to do is play football and be footballers. Theo is getting out of that wanting to be a Black Panther. He now wants to be a Mbappe and a Berrieze. But it's kind of, yeah, never forcing it because I know if he makes it as a scholar, what the next, how difficult it is to make it to the next level. And I've seen sort of, best case scenarios from Harvey Elliott, Raheem Sterling to some of the younger players, the journey that they've made and have, they've now made it. But then I've seen literally the complete opposite from players that have committed suicide from being pros or being offered pro contracts under 23s to then not getting first team action, being released and then worst case scenario happening. So I've kind of, yeah, and I don't want that. So I want Theo to enjoy it. And it's kind of, I wanted to make it, didn't make it. And there was lots more opportunities for me, whether it was the semi-pro route, um, whether it's the coaching route. Football is a cutthroat industry and it's a business. And that's what kids, not even kids, that's what parents need to understand now. Because I feel it's the parents, and I sound like an old man saying it, but it's, I'm, I've seen it from a player, from a coach. Now I'm seeing it from a parent, just sort of how difficult it can be and the pressures there's enough pressures on young players without them getting it at home from the parents yeah no I, I, I think that's absolutely bang on and, and that's what I mentioned um, to you earlier is I had similar when I was going down the semi-pro route is that the care or the after for, for players when you're moving from teams or going on loan and stuff like that is is so poor Basically, it is so poor. And I said, I've always been quite a mentally strong person. I've always, and you know, I've always spoke my mind, sort of thing. Like, I, I say sometimes I too much. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly it. Is I've had it before. Where I've gone to clubs, and and you know, you're going on after games, you and you're sitting there going, oh, am I being bombed? Am I being first team? Am I? You, you don't know what's going on, and, and it, it plays with your mind. And I'm kind of the same. Earlier on 
when I was younger, it was always, oh, I wish my dad had pushed me more sort of thing. But now I'm a dad, I'm looking sort of with the kids and they're going, oh, I want to play football, I want to do this. And it's kind of like, have fun. Just have fun first. Like, you, don't, you don't need to train this many times a day, this, this many times a week. Like, Be realistic with what you want. And, and we've had it with a lot of young players that have come over to the club. Obviously, where we're progressing so well and, and we've got the ambition and the five-year plan that we do, um, a lot of players are sort of coming in and going, yeah, do you know what? I want to be there. I want to do this. And we've had converse, other conversations with players where they're 18 years old, for example. Um, great player, but not a world beater. But in their head, they're absolutely, I'm going to be a professional footballer. And like you said, having been around an environment like that and then going through semi-pro route, that trying to pass my own experiences on saying, look, it's not that easy. Of, of the thousands of people that are going there, you're going to get a 1% or whatever that's actually going to make it. And this is why, like I say, someone like, someone with your experience is great to sort of try and pass that across. It's not dampening people's hopes and dreams and things like that, but it's just trying to get that realism in because it's all made so glitzy and so glamorous that we don't sometimes see the, the downsides to it. And I think, obviously, Ryan and, and Mikel are sort of parents as well. And yeah. um, I mean, Mikel, obviously, Leo... Um, comes are you with Leo? Yeah, yeah of course. Every week and he loves running the bat, but it's that thing where you said as well, like you don't want to you don't want to push him into football either, sort of thing, because it, it does play a a, a toll mentally. Um, um can I ask a question? Um is one thing I gather from this, it's kind of really good to have you, Chris, um having the background and seeing um the pros and the cons mm-hmm. about it. And now I can use your experience and use your brain to see if I can tailor it to apply to Leo because Leo right now he's just football fanatic he's yeah. asking me day in day out when when can it go back to football because right now he's in that <clears throat> sorry he's in that um, fun part of football he, he, he just loves enjoying running scoring a goal taking out a player winning the games and stuff but now um, listening to Dan and you now has kind of given me a better understanding like Raw, it's not it's not really all the glitz and glamour as it's portrayed to be. Because I know a lot of kids in the UK, especially here, because football's everything over here. Same as in America, basketball, NBA, or or the NFL over here is just prem and pro football. And 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 now listening to you, you and Dan now explaining that behind it, it's not really like that. It's just a it's basically a, um, a business formula now for them. So. I need to kind of take that a step back and kind of tailor that and try to plan my next step with Leo and for me to understand, to see if he really wants to pursue it. I've got the likes of you who can kind of tell me the insight about the, the pros and the cons or if he just wants to have fun, wants to have fun. So that yeah. is really good. Um, hearing, hearing, especially from Dan. Thank you, Dan. That was a good insight as well that with... Um, about the whole QPR, the whole way it's run and stuff. It's really interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are positives and negatives. And I mean, the positives in terms of if you're in an academy, sort of the discipline and the structure and the kids love it. I mean, it's you train three days a week, you play on a Sunday. But Theo starting his journey now as an under nine, he may have that. If he's the next goal for him will be to or the next goal professionally is to become a scholar some kids start at nine years old so you've got seven years where your job is to train four days a week you've got your primary school you've got 
being with your friends, your family. And it's it's very, it's not even just the, the player, it's the parents. It's really full on. And you get it where, yeah, the parent has to take a child four days a week as though yeah. they don't have a job. There's no other siblings. They've got no other kids. They've got no support network, single parent families. It's, yeah, it's a lot to take. And it's the most important thing is your child to have fun. And yeah. And yeah, I know I agree, it sounds yeah. a bit cliche saying it, but the moment the football, football is fun for me, but it's a job and it pays the bills. Don't get me wrong. I'll always watch it when it's on TV, but there's a reason why, yeah, I don't want Theo to become a footballer. And yes, I'd love him to because of the money and the glitz and the glamour that come with it. But the success, the success rate is very, he's got more chance not making it and the damage that can do to him psychologically. And you probably get oh, it with wow. boys that come to your team that were in academies and now don't yeah. make it. You was yeah. in academy, I was in academy and haven't. And it's, we're lucky that we've either had the support network to help us or mentally you're strong enough to get over it. But there's some kids that, yeah, that, that haven't. And it's what do they then do next? They don't realise the other opportunities that you there know, are. That's a good thing though. Like, cause you're not, um, you're not obviously not expecting them to, you don't want him to be a, a footballer, when because he's he's coming up. If if for example, hopefully not, but if if it comes to the stage where he does, because you've you've been by his side and, and you've told him like how how it works, he might take it not as bad as other people would if they were getting pressure from their parents. Oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. So I think it's better to. I've, in my opinion, anyway, I, I think it's better for just to let the kids enjoy playing for age. Yeah. Let them, uh, if they want to carry on, let them carry on. If they don't, they don't. I, I think that's that's the best way. I've always said that for when it comes to my little one. So my little one's uh, a lot younger than uh, Mikel's. He's uh, he's nearly three, but at the moment he's he's absolutely loving loving football. He sees me coming out going out in my training gear, and he's always like, "Oh, like Daddy, you going football?" And he just always wants to come. If it gets to a point where he's like, oh, just, I, I don't want to do it anymore or I'm not enjoying football, I feel like just never, never force it. I do feel like maybe sometimes that parents can maybe yeah. live out their dreams through their children. Yeah, uh, I agree forget, that. Forgetting about the, their, their own child's mental health. Not not from no, uh, nothing on their own. It's just they, they will obviously want the best, uh, but they're maybe not as educated uh, in terms of like the, the English system, how, how it works and all the different avenues that you can go down. Uh, but I, like I said, I think it's everyone. Everyone would love their child to to grow up, uh, become a footballer if, if if that's what they want. But it's just about knowing them small percentages and the chance, the actual chance there is to make it. And you said like the Harvey Elliotts, uh, like Harvey Elliotts, Elliotts seventeen, and he's, he he plays for Liverpool, obviously on loan at Black, Blackburn. But how many how many of uh, Harvey Elliotts are there in in the 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 league really? So you've got what Luke Madison from who's playing for Wolves, uh, who's who's a, who's a young lad, but there's not really many. Yeah, I, I think that's that's like you said the success rate. I mean, Dan, even even from sort of the the years that um, obviously you was coaching me. I mean, the amount of players we had, how many are actually still playing at any level, let alone yeah. a decent level, is so so slim. Obviously, I still speak to a couple, and and they sort of might be playing here and there, bits and bobs, but. So many have just given up playing completely because yeah. work commitments and family, because it, it's either pro or nothing for a lot of people. And, and I think one of the things that we're trying to do is kind of bridge that gap is that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be up here. 
to be involved in football. There are other avenues. And myself, it was one of those things I knew, as a, as technically, I was never good enough to be at that level. It was always a case of I'll, I took the, took the journey while I could, going through the non-league route and things like that. But my goal was always to go into managing and coaching and things like that. Um, and then try and pass on those experiences. And, and like I said, it's having that chain and, and feeding things. So I learned obviously a lot from yourself. I'm um, saying it's nine years later, eight years later, whatever it is. And, and there's still might be drills or whatever that I remember from sessions that you did, or there's, there's comments that you've said that stick with me that I then will pass on to players. Cause I go, Oh, I remember Danny saying that, you know, back in the day sort of thing. Like, and then, I'll then pass it on to, to the young. You didn't player. get the other words from him, did you? What other words? I'm not, I can't say it on here, but the, you know what the word <laughs> you love? My colourful, my colourful language. Yeah. <laughs> Chris's favourite position. Chris's best position was always centre bench. Like he was my first one down on the team sheet. That was him, <laughs> the bully. But no, I think honestly, on a serious note, as a coach, as a coach, it's about making an impression and that's the difference now with sort of the old school coaches to I don't want to say my generation coaches but a good coach is isn't just a football coach sort of they're a mentor a counsellor it's just, you want to be remembered you don't just want it to be your job to develop a football player it's sort of you want life skills and there's so many stories that I've had from players that I've worked with Chris one of them that now has his own family to players that I've worked with that are still playing at a very high level, maybe not Prem Championship. There's some players that are still in the Football League, some that are playing semi-pro, some that are just Sunday League. But it's about having that lasting effect with them so that they remember you. And the impact you made on them, they then make that impact on someone else. Um, but it's, yeah, but it's it's them finding, finding the opportunity, what makes them happy. Because some people just see it as, I just want to be a professional footballer and that's all that's going to make me happy. And when they don't make it, then they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is exactly it. Like you said, we, we've had loads of players that come over that have been released from XYZ Academy or XYZ semi-pro team. And you get you tend to get one or two things. You either get, like you, like you said, the pros of it is the discipline, the coaching that they've had. So they're sort of, they are football orientated. They know what to expect. They have a high level of professionalism. Um, and again, for me, where technically maybe I wasn't at that level, I then had to work twice as hard in, in training and stuff like that and in terms of being first one there, last one to leave. And I'd like to think that's something you could vouch for is that I'd always be first one training and I'd want to be the last one leaving sort of thing. And that's then something I try and instill on on my players is that if you graph, that, that's just as likely to get you somewhere as having that technical ability because the amount of players we, we have come over that are oh, been at so-and-so, I've just been released from uh, Boring Wood or I was at... Arsenal Academy I was at this academy and they come over and it's sort of the opposite where it's like well I was there so I'm still there I'm still at that level it's like yeah you're not you've been released for a reason hmm. like there's a reason you've been released whether you didn't make the cut whether it's the attitude the performances and it's trying to get players one of the things I say to the players all the time is is that self-reflecting is the most important thing it's all well and good saying oh it was his fault or his fault or this I didn't make it because of this be realistic with yourself and even when those players don't start the first thing I say is look at the person in front of you and can you honestly say that you're better than them or you're working harder than them? And if you're not, or if you can't answer them questions, well, then you're the problem. And I think it's players self-reflecting as well like that. And, and I think, unfortunately, sometimes with academy systems and and the glitz of the Prem clubs and stuff like that, players don't really take that on board because they don't see the criticism because they haven't really had it. If they've been a good player at a bang average club, 
they've constantly been told you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. And then sometimes they don't have that constructive criticism and some players find it hard to take. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's trying to ease that into them. We're trying to get them to understand. Um, so yourself, obviously you work, you, you know, you say you worked from, you know, under nines right away up to some of the top stars. Is there anything that sort of um, follows through both of them, the way you'd, way you'd approach them? So would you sort of discuss stuff with some of the kids the same way as you would the adults? Like, is there, is there sort of like a, a mantra that you have in terms of the football coaching and, and, and what they need to be doing? I think it's myself personally, what I'm confident at and what I would always kind of recommend for a coach is that you can't have, it's not one rule for one one rule for everyone else it's kind of everything has to be catered for every individual and that will range from and where I'm so confident in my own abilities is whether it's me doing an under sevens to when I was working in prisons in scrubs or felt and working with the offenders in there or doing a football session to working with David Luiz it's kind of you have to assess every individual's needs and it can't you can't just have the same yeah you might have the same structure and the same kind of platform to run through but you need to know what works for certain individuals whether some need to be pushed you might need to swear at them you might need to get them going like you Chris to get the best out of you <laughs> or you might need some players that you need to put an arm around you might need an ego boost you might need there's some pro players that I've worked I've worked with I've worked with that yeah, you give them a kick up the ass, they're not going to perform that well. You need to blow smoke up there. You know what? You need to give them an ego boost. And that's when you get the best from that player. And that's the same with some of the kids that I've worked with at grassroots level. It's some kids, when they get something wrong, they just want to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it and have that mentality. Whereas some, Theo, my little boy, the moment he gets something wrong, he has a strop and he gets that from me. So it's not like, I can be like, no, keep going, Theo. You can do this. You can, well, no, like you need to change it because then you're going to lose that player. So it's kind of just having that confidence and you need to see these things very quickly. And it's difficult because some, at some grassroots clubs, it's just the parents that take them that have no coaching qualifications and they're just volunteers. Um, so then it's kind of what support have they got, whether it's through the FA online stuff or whether it's through other parents or whether it's through just, the child themselves or the player themselves, but every individual is completely different. And if I ever came to your session, it's kind of, and took your boys for a training session, I'll have a standard layout of what the session plan would be, but then I'd set different individual needs from how I see how they're reacting to my session or to their warm up or to the, if you're doing a phase of play, like you need to set each individual because the moment you lose a player, they're gone. So it's kind of, how can you keep, every player engaged and it needs to be from from me it needs to either be from a one-on-one -on -one situation if I'm working with players to a group session if I'm doing a team where I need to make sure every individual's needs are met and they're challenged but they're challenged in a way where they still want to be engaged um, and it's yeah it's that's from 18 years with QPR so it's not I was never thinking like that when I first started but that's where you get your club some coaches won't have that idea but that's when you pass on your information to them and it's just having that support network around you yeah absolutely I think like what you just said there was 18 years is taking you to sort of develop those skills 
similar with myself. I sit back and, and I can look back to when I was younger and the way that I play now and the way that I coach now, things like that, is so different to my mentality to when I was in my teens sort of thing. It's just a whole different outlook of, of, of things of what motivates me, how I motivate individuals. And like you say, I tailor everything specifically to each individual player because the main thing for me is that everybody, every player is a human, simple as that. Yeah. Like they've all got emotional issues as well, whether it's kids, whether it's work, whether it's partners and things like that. And it's understanding those sort of things. And I think sometimes players themselves don't really know what motivates the best. So some players might not might think they need an arm over the shoulder or smoke blown up there, as you said, but actually they need a bit of tough love. And some sort of need the opposite, not tough love and a little bit of a hug. For me, I I've sort of learned over the years how I sort of receive things best. Um, but I just wanted to, I wanted to know, like obviously when when I was playing for yourself, what, how did you get the best out of me? Like what did you think worked with me and things like that? You're a difficult one because you need you. You're good when you get that tough love, but then there's a limit with you. So if I'm trying to push you, I can only push you to a certain limit because the moment I push you over that limit, you're going to get sent off. You're going to go through someone. So it's kind of like I need <laughs> to kind right. of maintain. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of me getting in your head where you're like, right, I'm ready. I'm on it. But then it's. Yeah, if you get knocked by someone, I know, right, calm him down for a few more minutes because he's just going to go through someone. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of, you need to know know your players because you was that type, you're a natural-born leader. Oh, don't surprise me. Don't surprise <laughs> me. I was going to say, I'm sitting here talking about change every year and you're saying that, I'm sitting there going, fucking, let's do every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, like, it's still, you could see, like, you could see your good qualities and the qualities that, you need to work on And you'll be the first to admit you wasn't technically the greatest, but you'll get players mm -hmm. that technically aren't the greatest that just know they're not the greatest and don't care. Whereas you were still trying and trying to develop every training session and you still wasn't, you wasn't a lumpy centre-back. You'd still want to play. So you had a brain, which was good. And you was realistic. You get some players that technically aren't great, but think they're the best things since sliced breads. Yeah. And it's kind of... You need to be very realistic. You had good qualities. You had areas of improvement qualities. But in terms of for me to get the best from you, it's, yeah, I need to, you could take getting shouted at and me telling you, come on, pull your finger out or do that. But then there's a certain limit because you would run for a brick wall and then you'd end up getting sent off or going through someone or, yeah, or injuring yourself. So, so yeah. So just... <laughs> never, never. <laughs> No, I mean, that's, that's it, though. Like, like you said, though, for me, it was, I probably did need that kick up the arse when I was younger. And I think it was always a thing, the way I felt and probably still do feel, is I need that, I, I often look for validation. So like yourself, I might do something and I might go, yeah, I've, I've done really well there. And the, my first thought would be like, but damn, like, say something. Like, mm. I thought that was decent. Did you, did you think that was all right? And then if I got that back, like you said, I would then be like, right, I'm running for a brick wall for him. Like, if somebody gave that back to me, then I'm going, right, then I'm I'm hundred percent backing him, but like, I'll do whatever I need, sort of thing. And like you said, he'll be like, Cool, okay, he's giving me a kick up the arse now. I'm on it now, and now I need to go and, and and sort of do something well for him because he said that. And that's something that I try and push through to the players now. And I'm glad you said there about um didn't want to just lump it long, sort of thing, because again, over the years it's taken going through that non-league journey to develop as a player and it was really strange is that we tried we tried to develop that where like you said you teach us to play at the back 
And then as soon as I started going into non-league, every team I went to, smash it, smash it down the channel. And I really struggled to readjust coming from that environment where you're, where you're teaching play like this to then go into, you know what I mean, grounds on a Thursday night, away to Bright, like away in Brighton sort of thing. And it's half seven kickoff and it's smashed the ball down the channel under the floodlight sort of thing. And it was like, this ain't football. I'm not really enjoying it. Um, so now fast forward eight or nine years, I'm now trying to coach the lads to do exactly that. Start going, well, hang on a minute, let's play at the back, let's be more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and like I say, it's it's nice to see that that's, that has, again, been a throwback to obviously what we worked with. And then there's been that gap in between. But the good thing is that I had the basis of it coming from someone like yourself is, is obviously you've always been so good on the ball that you then wanted your players to be good on the ball as well. And that's then now something that I'm trying to impress on the players is that you might not necessarily be the most technical player. doesn't mean you can't play football. It's even down to what we worked on today, Chris, uh, yeah. learning about playing yeah. out from the back distribution. Yeah, literally today, we've we done a one-on-one session today and, and the first, what, 20 minutes of the session, for example, was working on your footwork. Yeah. Um, because it's all well and good you've been able to save yeah. a card or, or, a, or a close shot, but I want you good with the ball at your feet as well. There's been a couple yeah. of occasions where you've sort of been caught out with the ball at your feet. No, I was yeah. like, Ryan, your goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, goalkeeper. That's when you said Ryan can't even catch a cold. Is that the Ryan you were talking about? Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Even, even that, sa- that sounds uh, like something George would say, to be fair. So, yeah, George ain't here, so we just, we've got to get the digs in. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it's good. Like I say, we've, we, had, we did it today, didn't we? Like, obviously, um, yourself and then, and then Rob as well. Like, it was, it was working on the footwork as yeah. goalkeeper. And just trying to say that you know, you be that extra man and, and play from the back, like you say, yeah. well, it longs. Um, so yeah, again, it's nice to see that that's something I've, I've learned from yourself and, and I'm now transitioning it. So, like you said, you, you made an impression on me. Go, Ribs. And I think, I think you've done, you've done a, like a great job, like making us play like that because I think in our league, we don't come against many teams that play like us. No, like most of the teams just. Smash it. Lump the ball forward. Um, but I think yeah. get everybody obviously comfortable on the ball and obviously we're working on the sessions and you see the transition through the sessions yeah. and then games on Saturdays. And for me, as a gaffer, I've said it on the previous podcast, there's nothing better for me than doing session on a Tuesday and a Thursday or whatever. And then on come the Saturday, we score a goal or we do a phase of play and I go, yeah, that's from the training session. And yeah. You lads are turning around going, yes, gaffer, like, that's the one, that's what we did. Um, so for me, that's one of the, one of the biggest things. Um, and then Dan, obviously, you were saying about doing the one-to-ones and how important they are. Um, obviously, we're doing a lot of them um, during this lockdown, so we're trying to get us ready. So for me, it's great to see the players doing that. Is there any sort of advice you'd, you'd give to myself um, where I'm doing with the players? Obviously, the individual stuff, I deal with the personality-wise, I think I've, I've got nailed on sort of thing. Is there any sort of specifics you'd give to the players or to myself with, with the one-to-ones, with, with it being your sort of... Um, my thing sort of with the one-on-ones is and again it, it depends on the player that you work with but my what I say to the players is these aren't meant to be fun players come to a one-on-one to develop um, you want fun you go to an after-school club you want fun go to goals with your friends um, you're paying a lot for, for a service exactly the same as if you go to the, if you have a PT in a gym you don't want to go there and just have a bit of fun. You want to be pushed. You want to be worked. You want to be worked physically and mentally. And I think, and that's the, with mine, I want to get my biggest, when I was playing, and even when I'm having a kick about now, 
I want to get into people's heads so that they want to break my legs, whether it's me, Malvin off, nutmeg them. Like, I want to get into someone's head. So Definitely get that effect. So, yeah, so it's kind of like... We need to get him in a Dagnum shirt so we can see that. Yeah, for real. Oh, man. 100%. Imagine, imagine Dan and Chris playing together. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we need to make that happen. At least a pre-season. But to be fair... I'll do, I'll do. Normally, you'd be the one trying to wire me up, like you say. So no, I'll get it, yeah. Like, and that's and I think with my one-on-one sessions, it's kind of when a player is doing a session, I want to put them off. I want to get in their heads. I want to frustrate them because my, I'll compare it to them. If you're getting frustrated now, imagine what you're going to do when you're playing for your Sunday league team. You're playing at your under-23s game. Or you're playing. So it's kind of like it's one-on-ones need to be challenging and yet they're going to be you want them to be fun but you need to challenge a player mentally and physically the physical side of things is easy because they're continuously training but the mental side of things how do they cope with being put under pressure how do they cope with you talking to them during the session while they're trying to complete a technique or a drill Um, and I think that's where it's when you're doing you're building out you're playing out from the back with ride a session that you're doing Something as simple as you you two counting to 10 as he's got to do it with the ball at his feet. It's just psychological. It's, it's he's then trying to think of numbers and he's trying to work technically. And you're trying to overcompensate a technique so that in a game, he should be able to complete this technique and he doesn't even have to count to 10. If he can complete a technique and he's counting to 10, imagine how easy it's going to be in a game. A tip that I'm going to... Try and take into sessions. I mean, Mikel and Ruben, we done we had one um, the other day, didn't we? Sunday, yeah. And, and that's where that mental stuff came into. You said it as well, didn't you? It was like mentally you were tired as well, having to think of so many different things rather than just do a session. Right, what's right in front of you? Mm. I had a lot of sort of distractions going on, so it's good to hear that that's something that that you do as well, Dan. Um, does, is that the sort of thing you you do with the big names that you worked with? Obviously, you said David Louise being being up there as well. Obviously, he's a centre back like myself. I see Louise, and it's one of those things that there's the football fan in you that says, ah, he's pony sort of thing. And then there's the footballer of you that appreciates just how good he actually is sort of thing. Mm. For yourself, does he, did he come across in the sessions the way he looks like on TV? Because he always looks so relaxed, like nothing really seems to Oh, yeah, honestly, he was... Is that frustrating though? Or No, because that's just him as a person. That's just him. And it's kind of like it's, it's, he can't get pushed in a session. To wow. sort of, he's one pace, but the quality is there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like, whereas some of the boys, um, Josh, Kick, Daniel James was literally, and I get, he gets a lot of stick now because how he started his United career, he's doing all right the last few games he's been playing. But six goals we in nine had, games. Yeah, a player that we had, that we'd done a session with and came with a, production crew filmed the whole session and created a great piece for his social media trained probably at about 60 percent um but was there just to tick it over mm. dan james done the session we pushed him more than we should have but he wanted to be pushed and then he wanted to do extra bits now this is a player that was just signing for man united um knew he had to be on top of his level yeah. um and we, I think we had about seven or eight sessions with him. And these sessions in Dubai, so we would train in the morning, um, probably about 7.30 till 8.45 on the pitch. 
then we'd go to the gym and we'd just do gym work. But he would want to do more and more work. And we had to kind of just say to him, like in terms of recovery, and sort of although he's on the protein and he's got the rehab and recovery, it's kind of there's certain areas and certain muscle groups that like his hamstrings are the three biggest feature that he needs to make sure that he strengthens yeah. because of his speed. But he literally wanted nothing there, social media. Um, and we'd post stuff on our social media, so he'd repost it. But he wanted to be there just to develop Train as a player. Um, and he went back, he got the best scores at United, the quickest time, the best bleep test. And the first sort of five or six games at United, he won, he won player of the seat, player of the month. Like mm-hmm. he was on fire. Um, but it just goes to show you some players are there to just tick over um, tick the box. They've got an off-season program. They're just going to do their off-season program. Whereas some players want to be pushed. And he was the type of player that technically, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't the greatest, but he knows what his key strengths are. And it was whether it was us doing sprints, him against Jeffrey Schluck, who is aren't rapid. Yeah, like I didn't yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, um, a, he's a strong lad, isn't he? He's a strong yeah, lad. Yeah, them two sprinting. The footage that we've got of that is, and the max with, with the GPS data when it measures their maximum speed, their sprints were unreal. But then Daniel wanted to do more and more and more. Um, he knows and he's going to be doing more. Yeah, and that's the difference between sort of some players, David Louise just wants it nice and easy. Um, some players, because he knows he will always be. I can't even say it always be a seven out of 10 because sometimes it'll be a two out of 10, but he will technically, he is unreal. And then it's just a decision-making, but then you'll get Daniel James that wants to give a hundred percent every single session. And it's, that varies from the sports choreography stuff that I've done. Now I've, I've done numerous shoots with Ronaldo, Neymar, uh, literally every, apart from Messi, he's the only one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Messi's the only player I was about to ask who's that? But Pirlo I was going to ask is... you Who's the hardest working person? In terms of what? Like, on who's the, the sports har- hardest working footballer? No, like in general Like the hardest oh, working football. footballer You've worked um, with Like Yeah I'd say In terms of Because in Dubai So, so we're in London now So During the lockdown It's only sort of I might see one of the Bournemouth boys or Watford, Daniels at Brighton, whatever player, I might only see him once a week. Dubai is when we're with them for like a week or two weeks. And the players there, like, well, I can't, I can't just name one because every player is completely different because they know that off-season training, mm. they're going to work hard during the pre-season. Um, you will get some, and that's the thing, mm. even the worst, the worst player that I've had to work with is still doing extra work than what they don't need to do. So yeah. although they're not trying that hard, they've still actually come to do a training session when they don't need to. And the price that we charge because of the service that we feel we're providing, like they're paying a lot of money for something. And if they don't want to try hard, they don't want to try hard, but they're still doing an additional training session than yeah. what they need to. Um, but when we were saying about different players and their attitudes and the sports choreography and the TV commercial stuff that I do, doing a, an advert with Pirlo, like when you need intensity from him, this is when he was at Juventus, you can't get nothing from him. And it was, we'd done a shoot with he's, United he's so and Martial. Casual, yeah, Martial. 
Martial just doesn't. There's nothing That's like. True. I need a bit more enthusiasm. We had, it, we, had yeah, this conver- we had this conversation about Martial the other day about it, about the abilities there, but it's, it's the body language and you kind of just want to shake him and go like, wake mm. up, like show <laughs> that you care about something. And that's just play. That's just if if you've not seen a change in someone over 18 months. So say for instance, Ronaldo when he came to first came to United. Fergie told him he doesn't want these million one step overs. He wants end product. And you saw that progression in 18 yeah. months. Yeah. If people are still going on about um, Martial or Pepe for Arsenal or some, I don't like, there's so many players that you're not, if you haven't seen a difference in 18 months, you're not going to see a difference. Yeah. yeah. Like just have a James Milner, be a 7.5, 8 out of 10 every game. Every week. Consistency. You Every said the right word and, and and I say Milner for me is the epitome of of a professional and what I want as a player. Like mm. he he he's what I would. I mean, obviously, if I had his ability, but in terms <laughs> of my performances, that's what I strive to be. Like you said, like a just solid. You know, you can depend on him. He's gonna do his job. He's not gonna let you down. I, yeah, I call a, it a Milner touch. So when I'm working with our under twenty three, there's there's a few. So I've got mainly a lot, a lot of the QPR under twenty three. I've got a few boys that. Reading, Fulham, one at Arsenal. And I tell them, when we're doing work, everyone wants to bring the ball down on the outside of the foot. Everyone wants to spray it where it looks sexy. And it's consistency. The coach doesn't, you're not going to get an extra point or you're not going to get an extra bonus if you can spray it and get it under with the outside of your foot. But it it's looks still the sexy. same product at the end. And it's getting, yeah. yeah, it's getting that mindset into the players' heads. You're going to get two or three opportunities maximum in a game. And if you wasted one because of a poor first touch, or you've not got it out of your body. Like, it's, yeah, it's having that mindset. You say that, I think, again, I mentioned on a podcast, it was something that you said during one of the sessions. I'm sure it was, you said to us, that you, you took us all in, basically, on the, on the centre circle. I think we were, we were playing a game and we were taking too many touches or something. And you were explaining to us that the average footballer at that sort of level is getting on the ball, say, 30 seconds a game mm. or something like that. In terms of... You'll get it, yeah. Like, yeah. at the end of every pro game, it's probably, I don't know if they do it from League One, but... From the championship up, if the game's on a Saturday afternoon, the Sunday morning when the boys come in for recovery session, they will have all of their stats, how much they've run, um, meters cover, pass completion, passes with the right foot, with the left foot, how many touches they've taken. And when QPR were in the Premier League, um, Andrew Townsend, I think, has the current record. And I think it's about 72 seconds he had the ball um, over 90 minutes when he was at QPR. And you think when that ball comes to you, if you control it and pop it off, that's not even a second. Yeah. Or you, he was, it's normally wingers that have it because they're just dribbling with the ball, but you're not yeah. going to dribble for four seconds. Like it's so difficult. You imagine when you're playing, the moment you get the ball, you've got someone up your ass. Like you're yeah. not going to, and it's that, it's the consistency with players for them to understand. It's about stats. Stats are the most important thing because stats are what coaches look at. Mm. And you might only have three shots in the game. If you're getting two of them on target, the coach doesn't care about... The coach wants one goal. Like, that's mm. all he wants. And it's, it might be your pass completion rate or as a defender, how many times are you... clear? Or as a goalkeeper, how many times are you playing the ball out wide or saving it but keeping it in or pushing yeah. it away away from safety? Like, And it's just about... Yeah, players don't realise doing a step over when no one's around you or players taking their time. The big, My biggest thing that I hate is you're on a counter-attack and someone is taking all of these touches, they're not losing the ball, they don't think they've done something wrong. The more touches you take, the more seconds you're allowing the opposition to get back, and the players just see it as an individual thing where I've not lost the ball. 
I'm dribbling, I'm taking my time. Yeah, but what's the opposition doing? And yeah. I think that's where, yeah, it's given that sort of approach where players understand the bigger picture rather than, yeah, you haven't lost the ball, but they've now got six players up there. So, that, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's so funny because that happens at all levels from grassroots going through the non-league and, and up into the professional game and stuff like that. And it's just funny to see that because it's a conversation I have with players constantly. Like you said, is that stats matter. You can have 75 touches, whatever, but ultimately, if, like you say, you're on a counter-attack and you've just given given time for the opposition to get back, it's pointless. You, you really the Brighton Palace game yesterday, there was a stat that I heard. The two games, over the last two games... Um, Brighton have had 46 shots on target um, and Crystal Palace have had four. Over the two games, Crystal Palace won. Crystal Palace won yesterday. Yeah. They only had yeah. two shots and they scored two, two shots, And two it's goals. literally, yeah. And and it's yeah literally, I, I think they had like is, 20% possession as well, didn't they? Or <laughs> like, yeah. Stats matter. Like, you're not, but it's important stats. So, yeah, you might have 44. That is great to some people, but how many have actually gone in? Like, and that's where it just speaks for itself. Yeah, uh, that, that's absolutely bang on. It's like you say, Chris, isn't it? You, it's it's better to have it's quality the, rather than quantity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, again, it's just the phrase I use all the time: quality over quantity. Like it's all well and good doing these things twenty-five times, but if you get one of them right, that's going to win you the game. Like I, I can't remember who it was. It might be Mourinho um, who said um, five-four is the same as one-nil. So it's all well and good going, oh, we scored five goals. Like, okay, cool, but you let in four. And ultimately, you're still only winning by one goal. So for me, yeah. get, get that one goal to get the game done. No one cares come the end of the season what the score was. They care what the points were and where you are. Yeah. And that's sort of something that I've tried to... Obviously, where I'm still playing and managing, it, it's so difficult because... of course. Are you playing, a better player or manager? Am I a better player or manager? Yeah. Uh, lads, I'll let you ask that. I'll let you ask. <laughs> Neither, uh, no. I'm, not, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna say is not, it's, 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 I don't want you to get annoyed, innit? But I think he's You're a better, better manager. manager. He's a better manager. No, 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 no. no, 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 hold on. But it's not this in your play because I've, I've told you, I like, I like the way you play. Like, I, I rate Chris as a, as a player, but I think it's because I ain't played for, like, for, for a manager like him. Like the way he manages and what he does, like I think he, I think he could be a great like manager. I think he can make it to the to to a good level as a manager. Yeah, I agree that's, with that. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah, um, yeah, I do agree because Chris, because remember, and the way you approach us and you speak to us on to one to one, you do kind of have have that aura about yourself to get the best out of us on the pitch. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's the same as like a Harry Redknapp and a Sam Allardyce. Yeah. They might not be a great coach in terms of on the pitch and doing the technical stuff, but man, man management skills. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris is really good at that. Yeah. Like, um, the probably example. Leading from example. He's good at both, though. I think he's good at both. Oh, yeah. he's good at both. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, of but course. I, I think he leads from example, and that's where the management thing comes into it. If somebody sees Chris on a on a pitch giving a hundred percent, it's like, oh, that's my manager and my centre back. Let's push and make sure that I'm giving a hundred percent. He well, does that's... realize he's a centre back now, though, doesn't he? Back in the day, <laughs> oh, yeah, this... he used to think <laughs> he was centre mid. He used to think. I, I, I said I said to this lot the first time I met you, you was like, "Where'd you?" Play? I was like, "Centre mid." You was like, "Centre back." Yeah, I was like, "No, centre mid." You was like, "Centre back or go home." And I was like, oh, "Okay." 
centre-mid, centre-back. Listen, I'll have you know, a couple of seasons ago, I was up top 15 go. goals in 21 games. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll put you up top. The last 10 minutes, the big man up top. No, no, I was, I was starting. I was starting and scoring. There we go. It helps. It helps when you're managing a team. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> he's got but better no, at finishing. <laughs> we, we were saying that though. That that is true. Honestly, I, I probably I probably judge myself harder than than any other player because, as I keep saying to everyone, ultimately playing and managing, I have to give not 100. It's got to be 120 because yeah. I I can't let my performance levels drop because if they drop, I can't justify them playing. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. And I've said it. If we get a player that's better than me. Who can do more than me? Who's going to work harder than me? Then I'll step back and go. Cool, I'll just manage, not a problem. But we've we've had it at the start of the season. I mean, Rubes in in the um, the Deadland game. I'd actually torn the ligaments in my ankle the week before. Um, I was supposed to be out for six to eight weeks. Me being me, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not having it. Like, obviously, yeah, Jamie, a physio, you know, sort me out, fixing me, sort of thing. Come the Saturday, first forty five minutes, I'm watching my two centre halves. And I'm just getting so wound up. I, I was just getting so frustrated. I'm saying like, get stuck into them, like, get get a bit more physical, you know, give some presence, yeah. don't, don't step off the striker sort of thing. And then it got to 60, 70 minutes into the game. And I was just like, I'm coming on. Bearing in mind on the Thursday night, I had my, had my foot, foot in the boot sort of thing. Brought myself on, first thing, first challenge, straight for a player, won the ball, clipped the ball in, almost scored from it within five or six seconds. And... It's that sort of thing that I then turn around to, to Mikel and Ruben. Was, you had a game, weren't you? And I said, look, if I'm doing that and I'm supposed to be out for six weeks, then fuck me, I expect your performances to go up sort of thing. And I think setting an example like that so early to players and saying, well, if I'm doing that, then I expect more from you sort of thing. Yeah. That's about, that's the, the, what I have to say about our team, when, when you don't play, we don't have that, Voice. I don't. The way I look at football, when you have two centre backs, you you have one. You can't have two quiet centre backs. There has to be a leader there. Like when, for example, that first game that we played in pre-season, we had Josh and Ed at at the back, and they they're both like tough players, but they're not. They don't control. They can't control a backline because they they're too focused on what's what's happening in. They just watch the ball, yeah. and with you, it's different. Like you, you talk to everyone. You're watching the whole game. You're not just looking at the ball. You're watching the whole, the whole pitch. And I think that's when Bernardo came in. He's an he's another one. Even though he's, he don't speak that much good English. But the <laughs> partnership with both of you, it, it's been solid because both of you can see, can see the whole, the whole, the whole game, and both played at good levels as well. So. Yeah. yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm taking that those as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, um, I've got a question for you. Hit me. Uh, um, obviously, you 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 coached Chris when he was younger. How how are you? In a, how can I put it? Are you proud of what he's done, of, like carrying on being involved? Ah, in oh, listen, it's what he's there's, done. There's lots of players. There's lots of, yeah, 18 years at QPR. There's lots of players that I've worked with, that I've got to know, um, that now have 
I'll see what they're doing on Facebook, on Instagram. I might see them about. And yeah, there's it's a difference between seeing what someone's doing to sort of invest in time and just seeing what everything that Chris has been through, sort of professionally speaking, in terms of the football side of things, to personally with his family. And it's kind of like it's it's he's had make or break situations and it's kind of he could have gone one way or the other. And there's players that I've coached that are playing in the Premier League. There's players that I coach that are in prison. There's players that I coach that are doing whatever they're doing. And it's kind of just everyone's got choices to make. And when I see sort of, I think I didn't see the last podcast. I think it was the one before that. And just to kind of see the, the love and enthusiasm that he has for that sort of, don't get me wrong, there's, there's stuff that I do now. Um, I do it as a business. I do it because I want to make money. That is the main role for why I do majority of things. Whereas you can see what he does is purely for the love. And it's just about, and it's not about him. That's the, that's the best thing about it. It's not, he's not getting anything from this um, financially or you lot do well. And it's like, yeah, Chris has got a bonus to go to or yeah, like <laughs> this is what the impact, he's making a bigger impact in people's lives than he probably realizes himself. And it goes from when the, the comments that I've had from people when I left QPR and players that I've worked with that now have kids that tell me stuff that I've done to them that it, it takes for me to realise and what he's going what he's been through going through what he's now put on this is this it's like a legacy it's like he's doing he's setting foundations where like he's, he's making more of an impact than he realises and something as simple as the Facebook this the kits the videos that he puts up like this is yeah, like you're making a difference in people's lives. And it's not even, it's a release. Like the stress that people are going through, depression, deaths in families, like there's, there's so much negativity in this world and you can either get on with your life or you can make a difference in other people's lives. And that, yeah, me, I'm getting on with my life. He's making a difference in so many people's lives that he doesn't realise. And the goodness that he's putting in to you boys you're then passing it on to your kids in terms of like you're in a, you've had a release, you've had a one-on-one -on -one session with him, you feel better, you're then going to take that back home and you'll be in a better mood. And yeah, it's something fun. as little as that. Like, he doesn't need to do a one-on-one -on -one session. I do a one-on-one -on -one session solely because people are paying me for my time. I'm working in Dubai, mm. it sounds glamorous, but I'm not doing, I'm, I would not do it for free. Whereas the team, he's probably losing money. He's probably yeah. washing the kit, losing sleep, losing hair. Lose, I don't even know. Like, yeah, like he's doing stuff for no, there's a, for other people. I think, yeah, that's what you mentioned there. Like, there's a lot of people that don't see what what Chris does behind the scenes. Like, I've been there quite a lot of times, and I've seen him. Like, he puts in a lot of work, and I think most of most of the players we have appreciate and appreciate yeah. what Chris does and Jamie. Obviously, you know, like in every team, there's always a few that don't realise how they think it's just, oh, yeah, rock up, the kits, watch it, wash itself, wash itself all the equipment. All like, you were saying about sort of the losing money and the stuff you're trying to do. So one of the things that we invested in um, at the start of the season, we, we, you know, we got the video camera, which is the, you know, the artificial intelligence tracking the games. And now... As that was done for two different reasons. One is it's great for players, so clips of themselves. You know, it looks good making 
highlight shows and things and stuff like that. But for me, I I then go that other level and sit there and I will go through. I mean, I'll sit down with Jamie and we'll watch the games back and I'm you know I'm breaking it up into thirty second segments and like you said, Dan, it's going through stats. I'm going, oh, Ruben's touched the ball x amount of times here, or Mikel's put in four crosses and doing things like that. Um, but that was something that was a significant outlay in terms of cost. Yeah. And I did that myself. So it wasn't, no, nobody gave me the money. No one funded it. There was no sponsor coming on board that said, oh, here you go, go and buy this. It was something that I said, well, look, I'm never going to use it outside of football, but I'm going to invest that money into it because one is going to be great for the boys. How many, pl- how many players go through their footballing career and stuff and they've got no pictures, no videos, nothing. I was uh, the same up until this season. I've that's what I mean, yeah. And, and, and you, you want to be able to show your kids stuff. Oh, look, this is where I play. I mean, for me, it's great. I've got, I've got the boys and stuff. Like, every, every week after we film this, they'll go, oh, can we put it on a TV? Can we, can we watch the podcast yeah. back? And they'll be sat there watching it. And I love that. But yeah. they don't necessarily understand the stuff that's being spoken about. But just the sheer fact that they're going, oh, look, you're, you're on TV or you're doing this. Yeah. Like, Obviously, I've got the so the podcast is now on Spotify as well. Now, Jamie yesterday was like, "Oh, that's, that's amazing! I'm so proud of you." And the kids are going, "Oh, that's so cool!" And you know, they want to tell their friends at school, like, "Oh, yeah, he's on Spotify and he's on he's on this and all that sort of stuff." And for me, that's that's absolutely buzzing. And equally, if I can then do that for other players and they can turn around and say to their kids, "Oh, do you want to see do you want to see Daddy play football?" Like, it's you know, a yeah. ripple effect. I do that. Like yeah. you've done the stone, and then the ripple effect is the impact you're having on other people's lives, no matter how small it is to them just listening to it, to how big it is, you're actually having an impact on people's lives. I, I do enjoy sitting there with the little one, just watching uh, watching the highlights. Uh, to be fair, I watch over the highlights quite a lot. I'm just sitting there bored, but oh, let's go watch a game that we've won or something like that. And then just the little one sits on my lap and he's, he goes, gets up, goes up to the TV, starts pointing, and he goes, this one's you, isn't it, Daddy? And stuff like that. And he just, he, he absolutely loves it. Mate, yeah, the other mean, day I saw a cool... I called Philip and he was sitting there watching watching the podcast with his three daughters on the sofa. Like, it was, really? It's 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 different, isn't it? It's emotional, man. It's yeah, yeah like it makes a difference. Like, and it's something. As someone might just watch it as something to watch, but then you look back in five five years time and the friendships that you make and what yeah. has come from this. Like, yeah, they're different. I mean, I mean the thing is as well is as much as we do it for fun and entertainment, talk football genuinely the actual serious effects it has as well so when we had Alex on and he you know he opened up about the depression that he suffered throughout his career and, and this is someone who had a career playing championship football he's he scored a goal that's kept Brentford in, in the league like a very good career but discussed his depression now from that podcast alone I had four different players phone me and message me saying I'm struggling Chris I need help now I had one the other night literally I was on the phone for two and a half hours they was in tears because you know, they had some real strong family stuff that they were going on. And it got to the point where it was just, I need help. And just being able to have those conversations on a podcast like this, but then also being able to impact that person. Now, I checked in with them again yesterday and said, how's things going? And the response was, I feel like a new man. I feel so much better. Like, I've, it's great getting it off my chest and things like that. That's where I then sit there and go, do you know what? Okay, this is worth the effort. Because yeah. it's not, it's, it seems easy just whacking on a Zoom call, chatting, but... And then editing the show and things like that, and it's taking my time away from the kids as well when I'm do- when I'm doing things like that. Thankfully, I've got family that understands it. But then when I get those phone calls or those messages, that's when I then really go, okay, that is worth, worth my it, time. Yeah. It is worth me doing it. Um. So yeah, 
I'm I'm glad that it does obviously affect everybody um, so positively. Um, Dan, for yourself, I wanted to ask. Back when obviously I was playing, did you did you see me going down the manager and coaching route? Is that something you saw? Or did you think you I was too opinionated? Because I know you've already said I loved an opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was hit and miss with you, to be totally honest. Um, because it just depended on sort of how you developed mentally. Because although you was a very strong-minded character, um at that stage in your development, sort of 16 to 18, I knew in the next five to seven years, you're going to have a lot more managers, going to be a lot more ruthless to you. And yeah. that might just put you off. Like, that's the thing. Like, it was... And that's that's the problem that players get when they go down the semi-pro non-league route is that it's then a business. It's not about mm. your development. Like, when you're with an academy, it's about developing the individual. When you're a pro or playing non-league or semi-pro, it's about results. And it's not about you as an individual. The manager doesn't care what, you, what you're going through. The manager cares about getting the three points because they don't get results. They get sacked. It's a business to them. So my, not my concern was I knew you had the foundations and the capability of being a leader and a coach and a manager, but it was what's going to happen in the next five to seven years when you get your knockbacks from managers from just not starting, not knockbacks from being released or anything, but getting told no or how managers talk to you, like you're going to react one way by taking it or you're going to react the other way by knocking them out. And it was kind of just, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, that's, yeah, that was my only worry that, yeah, are you actually going to be bothered about it because you're just, yeah, this ain't for me. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a fair shout. And and I, like you said, I really did have a lot of those breaking point moments where I was at I was at some clubs that were playing sort of blue square level and I had the gaffer telling me I'm the best thing since like spread, you know, give it X amount of time, you'll be league two, do the do, like you'll be doing this, you'll be doing that. I'm definitely gonna get you there. And I'm like, oh amazing. So two months later, they've brought in a more experienced player with a better name and it's oh yeah, Chris, you're going to be on the bench for the next few weeks and da 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 And then it's like, okay, cool, you accept that. Then it's, oh, Chris, we're going to loan you out. And it's hard because you go, okay, cool. At least he still rates me. He wants me to get minutes. You then go on loan. And there's a couple of managers I've had who are just absolute fucking arseholes. And it, like you said, it could have done one or two things. I could have then gone, oh, do you know what? This manager lark's not for me. I'm not doing it. But actually what it did was make me think, I will never be that person and I want to understand why that person might have a bad performance, or I want to ask, actually, where are you coming from? What are you doing? And all that sort of stuff. And that's what I try to do with the players is is sort of see what they're doing as individuals um, and how I can make them progress better. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of those moments where it was sort of, like you say, it was either lose my head completely or actually take it on board and, and try and implement it. And thankfully, I think I've implemented it rather than lost my head too many times. There's been a couple, but... Did, um, did Chris get sent off a lot back at Kiko? Never. Never. <laughs> yeah, good question. He would, never never yeah. got sent off. He never. I never he'd got sent get, off. He'd get, he'd get bookings and he'd get yeah. tokens too and you'd have to... Yeah, because he was smart, that's what got him off the hook. And when, when Ress would talk to him, they could see, do you know what? He's not just a numpting, got nothing upstairs and just wants to rattle people. He is a 
nice guy, but he's, yeah, he's, I don't know how he didn't get sent off. You just knew it. You don't want a 50-50. You don't want a 50-50 because he don't, he'd go for anything. And yeah, I remember yeah. being told, I remember being told to calm down in training. And I think my response was, you wouldn't moan at the striker for scoring. So why are you moaning at me for tackling him? Yeah, he just, like little <laughs> things like that, like in a game, like he treats training. And this is the thing, it's, you, yeah, it's a, uh, 50, 50, I, I, think like, that was one, I think that was one of the conversations we had the most, weren't it? I said to you, I was just like, you're moaning at me for doing this, but that's how I'm going to play. You're not moaning at the striker. And... But yeah, his thing is that, and that's the thing, we say it in terms of it's great trainer you play, but injury prevention. So not only for him, but for the other players as well. And that's where it was, <laughs> yeah, 50 fit, you're going through someone. That's your own player. Like, yeah. But I won the ball. Yeah, but he broke his leg. So, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was unpopular for a few people, weren't it? Oh, I'll have to say it's that. unreal because I've 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 been with Chris now for two seasons, not been sent off or. You know what is here because Chris sweet talks. Um, no, the refs are the refs. scared of him. The refs. Yes, the guy. I've seen Chris take a guy and just goes up to the ref with his arms open, and they. They forget everything, literally. <laughs> I've seen Chris do this. It's not even a joke. And I've that's not training. No, no, I'm being so honest. Chris, I've seen him sky someone. Go to Pluto, guys roly-poly. The refs, the refs say, oh, Chris, calm down. Chris would be like, and all is forgotten. So yeah, he has, he has, he's so intelligent in that way. It's 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 building it's building good relationships. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to send him off because he's there. They're just he's just too nice. That's what that's what it is. Just too nice. <laughs> just too nice. Um. So Dan, uh, another thing. Obviously, you mentioned earlier. Um, your sort of appearance in uh, Dream Team. So obviously that's that was a while ago now, sort of thing. But how, how did that come about? Um. I think I've I come back from America and. Yeah, they were just looking for, they were looking for people that could play football and could act to some degree. So we just went for like a, an audition, but it was just playing football. And they were just looking for certain looks and yeah, ended up getting in and playing a Brazilian called Carlos. Yeah, Carlos. Um, that weren't, yeah, but it weren't left, for me. Left back, weren't it? It weren't, I don't even know where. I, no, I was right midfield, right midfield. Right midfield? But yeah, but he weren't, he, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. whole TV industry just wasn't, yeah, wasn't for me. And it was kind of... Did you, did you, did you have to speak as well? Like, did you have to speak? No, with an it, was, it wasn't a, no, it wasn't a speaking role. It wasn't, but it was just the whole fact oh, okay. that just being role. there all day, um, just on, yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I think, how old, yeah, it must have been about 10 years ago, or however long ago it was, but... It just, yeah, it was just, I was just used to football and now being on set and makeup, wardrobe, waiting around, just long days. Yeah, it just was, it's, it looked great. It sounded great. Like, it looks good on the CV, but yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't for me. Um, but then it led into sort of then TV work and like commercials and doing sports choreography. So it was, it was a learning experience. I mean, that's what I was going to say. You, you then went on to do the Joe Bonito adverts, which you, which are, 
a huge. Um, You've done the one with Henri and Cantona. Yeah, there was there was a few a few sort of good adverts that we've done, and um, yeah, it was a good experience, like just traveling. Yeah, just traveling the world and working with literally every player. Um, and it would, I mean, you might only spend 20 minutes with a player, but it's, yeah, getting to travel to Madrid to spend three days with Ronaldo when he was at Real Madrid and just doing like some of the, yeah, just, or in Manchester with Tevez when he was at mm. Ibrahim, like literally every, every player. And it was, it was kind of, but then it was, how do you then find the next opportunity? So I was a sports model doing, it might just be body doubles or just being featuring in an advert, like the Jogger Benito, to then getting the opportunity to choreograph adverts and just be behind the screens and telling the footballers what skills to do because it looks better on camera. Um, And sort of that is now sort of something that, I do a lot just choreographing adverts and whether it be for Man United or AC Milan or going to Brazil with for Danny Alves. Like it's 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 been some amazing opportunities. Um, but then it's just you need to grasp every opportunity. And it's similar to this, like what you're doing, you could have just sat down and started a team, um, been part of a team, and that's it. But you're sort of finding other opportunities and other avenues to get into, and who knows what can come come from it yeah yeah who knows where the podcast could go or, or the, the highlights and chris yeah. has, a, has a face for radio as well so you'll be great man you'll be great <laughs> that's that's why i'm moving it to spotify so you don't have to look up look at the mic there we go <laughs> appreciate it <that>, mate thanks <laughs> um yeah no i mean that, that's the thing i like um rubes and michael you said about believing that i can sort of get to that level that is obviously the plan it is what I want to do and, and as, I, as I said last week I have had offers to, to go to established semi-pro clubs already and join the coaching and management team and things like that and I said no because I wanted to take what we're doing and, and climb um, and I think that's that's the difference is as much as um, I want to get to that level I also want to do it in the way I want to do it, if that makes sense. Um, but I think, Dan, obviously, someone of, of your experience, it, it just shows how many different outlets there are there for football. And I think if anybody does watch this, they can look at yourself and, and just see it's not all about being a pro footballer. There are so many opportunities. Like you said, you've done TV work, commercial work, choreography. You, you know, you do stuff. I mean, you, you've been in uh, music as well, haven't you? You've done how many interviews with so many so many stars and stuff like that. Again, it's just so many notches on the, what is it, strings on the bow, whatever it's called. Um, what, what do you prefer? Uh, the music stuff or the football stuff? It's... it's... Both, to be honest, and it's a case of, again, it's about how you create your opportunities. And it's, it's, it, well, it started when Rio was at Man United and we used to go to concerts. Um, like, yeah, we'd go to a Damian Marley concert, or a J. Cole concert, and then he'd bring a few of the United boys, I'll chat to them and be like, if you want to go to another show, we can do that. And then it would be taking some of the boys to a Drake show, Drake concert and meeting the players. And then nowadays it was like, I took Joe Hart to Stormzy's show and Stormzy had a show in Germany. And this is when he was in Italy. 
And it's like just, yeah, it, it's just weird. But it's, it's footballers and music, music and footballers. And now I manage Dave's, Dave does a Santan Cup, so it's his birthday yeah. every year. And it started three years ago or four years ago. And I just ran his tournament. He just had a birthday tournament and he had a team. Crepton Conan had a team. There was, a, there was about six or seven teams. And then the following one. year... S.E. Dons was there as well. Yeah. Dons, yeah. Last year, um, it was sort of, yeah, it was at Brighton. And it was... Yeah, so yeah and it's just literally, it's, it's, it's massive now. And it's kind of, that started for me just running it in a park to getting reps and sorting out teams to then me managing it at Brighton's training ground where we had S.E. Dons, we have Rian Brewster. We had a team of pros. Rian had just won the Champions League with Liverpool. Um, to then... Storms had a team, Adidas had Storms, had a team, Crepton, like everyone, everyone's got a team and it's literally Dave loves football and it was, so that's grown and it's just kind of to then doing bits with Essie Dons, to then doing stuff with Dave and different, like Stormzy, Adidas, like, and it's just, some people know me as Drake's management, think I'm a professional footballer because the only time they see me is when I'm with the players to the footballers think I'm something to do with music because... I just take them to concerts to then I'm running football tournaments to then I'm choreographing an advert with David Louise. So he thinks I'm a football choreographer. Then I'm coaching him a month later in Dubai. And it's like, yeah, so it's like, it, and that sounds great because it's like, ah, oh, it's right, eh? name dropping, blah, blah. But it's like literally the negative is, well, what Jack of all trades, master of none. So if I want to home on one skill, someone wants to say to her, well what are you like you're yeah. doing all this stuff like yeah so it's it's not it it sounds great to anyone because i can say i've done stuff with stormzy dave to ronaldo to whoever but what are you actually doing and it, for me it's just a case of i'm lucky enough where if i want to pitch an idea or do something where i want to earn some money from it i can say well do you know what i'll do my next thing is I want to get Dave and Thiago Silva doing football challenge, like through his Thiago Silva thing wow. that he done, Dave, AJ Tracy and Thiago Silva doing, a, and for me, it's, it's an idea and everyone will have an idea, but for me, it's as simple as I've got the press officer's details at Chelsea because I've done bits with Chelsea. Dave, I'll send him a message. AJ Tracy's from same area as me, Labatt Grove. So it's just easy. It's yeah, it's, I want to, I'm the middle man. And if I can create an opportunity from it, which is going to make me earn money, then I'm going to do it. I mean, that is a great idea and I would love to watch that. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've got, you got the nod of approval already. There we go. There we go. But yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. I, I think there's still a lot of us that would probably be uh, quite happy to be in that position. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I mean... I think we've all learned a lot. As I mean, have you guys got any more questions for Dan? Um, yeah, sorry, Dan. Um, and back to when you was talking about the kind of different the professionalisms from the two players. Um, how did you kind of cope with that player who was bringing his whole um, entourage, his own video team and stuff? How did you kind of handle that session? Um, the session was the exact same as what we normally would do. But we couldn't push that individual because they couldn't look pissed off in a training session because it's being filmed. We couldn't push them where 
they're not going to be able to complete something because it's on camera. Um, some of it was staged. And this is what people have to realise. There's when they see a video on social media, it's not, it's not real because it's, it's, that's their channel. That's their business. Mm. So much of the stuff that I do during the lockdown, um, yeah. two of the Premier League footballers that I work with want nothing on social media just because they're going to get backlash from it. And you train to fail. And that's my training with them is to fail. Like we'll work on our week of foot finishing only. And yeah. they don't want footage of that because any bit of footage that you put up, and this could be the, who's on fire at the moment, Rashford could put something up. Yeah. But there's still going to be something on him negative that someone's going to say or yeah. Raheem Sterling or uh, anyone. So it's very difficult for players to put anything up without getting backlash from it. Raheem Sterling could put something up and get negative um, comments. And it just varies. I mean, a lot of players, you need to play up to the camera and it's mm. just about creating content. That's what yeah. it is. Some players, players do a lot more things that aren't on camera. And that's when you see the real player. Whereas anything on camera, it will be staged so that I look great as a coach. That player mm. looks great as a football player and the production company look great because they've created this amazing piece of content. Mm. Um, but it's just about when the camera's not there, how do you push him, still keep him because he's paying for a service, but then make him feel like he's actually getting something from it. And that's where it's trial and error. Okay. okay. Uh, I've, I've got two questions. Uh, one, uh, it's about Zlatan. I said, uh, heard you mention him earlier. Is he really like he is on like social media and that sort of he stuff? He is the nice, like, he is, apart from Hazard, is the, the, the most banner I've ever had with a player. But mm. Zlatan, in terms of the nicest player, like, whenever we start a shoot, I always get the agent will bring him over. I'll be like, I'm Dan, I'm the choreographer. This is what we're doing. And it's little things like the players would say, you're right, or that's it. Like, it, he came over, shook my hand, introduced himself. I'm Zlatan, nice to meet you. But don't need to lie. It's something <laughs> as simple as that. But the one thing that stayed with me was at the end of the shoot, the players got, like, you'll have their agent that will be on a big iPad and it will be like, you get 20 minutes with a player or you might yeah. get five minutes. And at the end, they will be like, time's up. And yeah, he was like, thanks, Dan. And just went. And it's just little things like him remembering mm. his name or some players just taking the time out, like you'll always offer him, do you want to drink a water? Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, I'm good, thanks. And he was like, but you can get one if you want one. And it's just little, like he was such a gentleman, like such a nice professional. And there's some professionals that we have, like this is their job. They have to do it for marketing and sponsorship. Yeah. So they're used to it. But he was such a nice guy. Because uh, he doesn't come across online as the most uh, likable character. It's a character, though. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, is, is, it, is it a character? But the thing is, is, the thing is he backs what he says. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't think you can dislike the guy because if he says he's going to do something, he just does it. Mm. Like he's almost touching forty, and he's still like he's joint top goal scorer in Italy. Like that's yeah. crazy. I just wanted to know how it was working with Ronaldo. <laughs> Listen, is he Ronaldo, as arrogant as people say he is? Listen, me being from West London, I obviously support Man United. It makes sense. So being a United <laughs> fan, like I've literally, I think I've done about seven or eight shoots with him. And Crazy. there's only been one time where he's been uh, annoying, frustrating. 
but he's been the Ronaldo that some people like to talk. Whereas the majority of the time, he's been so nice and so just he's yeah, like he's not he's not. Don't get me wrong. Every player has their day where they just can't be bothered. And when you're Ronaldo, you've got to imagine that every your time is money. Like you're on a shoot because yeah. people are playing. Yeah, but he's been. Yeah, like he's got a bit of banter about him. Like he's, there's times we're just doing. Two, there was a shoot that we done when I was modelling and I played nanny. Um, so me and him were next to each other, um, oh, and we were just in between sets, just literally just doing like two touch. And this and, and I'm like, I just wish like I've got some images of it, but I just wish I had the footage of us just doing. And all he wants to do is just kick the ball about and do round the world. So like he's like a big kid. And it's the same with like Rooney. Rooney is the quietest player I've ever worked with. Like he just wants to play football and he's not a beast. He's not, he's just so quiet. And it was like, they just want to kick ball. Yeah. Like that's literally all it is, but they're just earning millions doing it. Love Rooney. He's an absolute animal when he's done. Uh, and sorry, my, my second question is, uh, I've seen that you've done some work with the Prince's Trust. Uh, Prince's Trust is uh, a charity that's pretty, pretty close to my heart. I just wanted to know about what, we, what you've done there and, and what got you, uh, got you involved with it. There's, there's a few sort of charities and charity programmes that I've worked with from sort of, from when I was working at Wandsworth Prison, Felton Prison, uh, Felton Young Offenders and Wormwood Scrubs, where we were getting the inmates qualified and we got sort of some positive and negative. To be fair, I was on main page in the sun. They had a picture of me in, and I, they made me look like an inmate. And the, the <laughs> article was, was given a negative feedback about the work that we're doing in prison um, with wow. the inmates because people are thinking, why are we giving them a chance? Mm. And you get positive and negative feedback for everything. And it was literally just the case of the areas that we work in, um, in West London, and certain deprived areas that we work in, you can have the most qualified football coach in the world come into them estates. And it don't matter about your qualification, it's about your experience. And the yeah. young children and the young people that we're working with, they're going to relate more to someone that has been on this journey um, and stop them from going down the path that these inmates went on. Um, and it was sort of, that was a charity that I worked with when we was working in the prisons. The Prince's Trust, it was about sort of employability skills. So I do a lot of talks with the Prince's Trust, um, with, there's a homeless shelter that I work with, a homeless company. Yeah. They're going in primary, going in secondary schools and colleges where it's just about creating opportunities. Yeah. So where I will always talk about the opportunities that I've done in football, playing, coaching, football choreography, the music, the presenting, yeah. Um, it's just about how young people can create opportunities for themselves like this club here like the opportunities that you can create if you want to be a presenter like you're not and it's trialist people have never played football before but they think they can go and try at Man United but you have to develop at your skill <laughs> so a presenter wants to make a showreel or wants to become a presenter on MTV like you need to develop this skill somewhere so a presenter come on to here and can just present or can come on a match day a photographer like yeah. practice your skills somewhere else so that's what i would do i'd go to, i'd work with princess trust i'd work yeah. with young people now princess trust work with young people aged from my program was from 16 to 27 and it was, was their it, unemployed was it, team? Was it a team program yes that's that's my job 
Oh, is it? Yeah, that's why I don't. That's okay, why I well, asked yeah. about it. Yeah. So it's literally yeah, and they do like a six or eight week program, and they get yeah. different different guest speakers to come in. Um, and my thing would always be, you come to me with a plan where you want employment, and yeah. I will put you in that direction. Whether it's me getting them in the studio to watch a, when Charlie Sloth was at um, one extra, yeah, um, or them wanting to do sports modeling and me getting them an audition, but they need to come up with CV and a program in terms of what a meet a short, medium and long-term goal. And it's just about getting them mentally prepared for what the real world's like, because you're going to get knockbacks and it's the same yeah. with football careers. You want to be, yeah. So it's just sort of, but yeah, sort of working with young people. That's yeah. That's my love. Yeah, uh, it's, it's something that I enjoy enjoy myself. Uh, going to these Princess Trust awards, like national awards as well, seeing seeing everything that everyone's done. Uh, I've had the opportunity of doing it twice now. Uh, been invited down to uh, the London Palladium and just seeing everyone's stories as well is uh, is brilliant. That's why that's why I asked as soon as I saw on your your website about the Princess Trust, I was uh, immediately intrigued. Yeah, and it's just about everyone's background. Everyone's background's so different. Yeah, and you can't just judge someone just because of what you felt your first impression. And I think that's with young people, now it's harder more than ever to yeah. create an opportunity for themselves. So whether it's me sounding like an old man, and that's the difference, I'm a lot older than the people that I work with, but I'll be able to get in there. They'll find me more, a bit more intriguing because I'll, if I name drop, I can talk about my story uh, yeah. and my journey and they won't be bothered. But the moment I mention Rihanna, Drake, Stormzy, Dave, yeah. Ronaldo, something in football or music or TV, or yeah, then they're intrigued and then they want to know. It's just about find, how can you engage with young people? And for me, my key selling point is I'll name drop these names, but then I'll tell them the journey, how yeah. they can develop. Yeah, yeah back, back drawing them in. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to come yeah. down to, I want a session. I want to train you lot. I want to see what you're about. Mate. I was going to message you after this and say, like, you have to come down for a session. Uh, listen, mate, I'll come down. For, I'll, I'll coach you lot for a session. And, yeah, Whoa. we'll see. what. I don't know if Chris has told you, but they call me Dominoes. Because my right. delivery is always hot. So oh. that's <laughs> now you lot wonder why I say it. Now you lot wonder why I say it. There we go. Yes. Let's see if he can Chris, uh, we have to get a few him, goals. We have to get him in a we have to get him in a Dagnum shirt as well. Pre First team V reserve game pre-season. <laughs> yes. Involved, pre-season. That'd yeah, be brilliant. Really that's not a bad shot. When we have our first uh, when we have our first pre-season game, we do first versus reserves. We'll have to get you in. I'll um I'll make sure you're on my team, though, so you ain't gonna worry about me clapping. <laughs> there we go. But no, yeah, mate, I'll come down. I'd love to coach you lot and just see what you're about and give you a session that I would with the pro boys yeah and then yeah just to put you up through your paces oh that'd be wicked that'd be interesting I'll, I'll be dead in 10 minutes but yeah <laughs> 20 minutes half an hour not even <laughs> 20 minutes i'm out <laughs> you'll be good you'll be good so yeah chris just send me a message mate when you're about and i'll come down perfect sounds good to me that, that'd be awesome yeah, is, is there any last bits of advice you give to myself or the players um, about we sort of how we carry on with our journey? Um, it's, do you know what? It's 
yeah, everyone journeys different. Sort of my, my, you need to take something from anything. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it's sort of 99% of what I've said, you may not agree with, but you need to find that 1%. Like mm-hmm. everyone's got a story. And if you can take one thing from 1% from whatever, whatever anyone's got to say, sort of just, yeah, how can it develop you? Um, Cause yeah, that's the whole point. You can either just stay in your own lane and if you're happy with what you're doing, that's fine. But if you want to develop, yeah, you're only going to develop from the, the people around you. Yeah. Of course. Perfect. Good advice there. Um, right. So thank you all for joining. Danny, thank you very much. Um, really appreciate that. Um, as always, guys, um, we'll be back again next week. Um, so get yourself liking, subscribing. Um, we're on Spotify now and obviously over on YouTube. Um, guys, Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, guys.